So what happens when you combine my insane curiosity with some of the world's most interesting people? You end up with incredible conversations full of stories, insights, and the defining moment that made them who they are today. This is The David Spizak Show. You know, years ago, the most popular sitcom on television was called Seinfeld. And you may recall that it was really focused on Jerry Seinfeld and three of his uh, friends, closest friends, Elaine Kramer and George Costanza. And there was a single episode that I think is very memorable and very relevant to what I'm going to talk to you about today. Because I want to talk to you today about the power of of actually pursuing that which you don't believe in. Um, The power of counterintuitive thinking, thinking the opposite. And this particular episode comes to mind for me because I recall it started out with uh, George and Jerry and one other character, Elaine, sitting in the coffee shop where they oftentimes found themselves. And George was in the midst of uh, lamenting about his life. Nothing goes right. I've never done anything in my life. I'm a failure. Everything goes wrong. Everything I try is, is, uh, is, is no good. And, and Jerry said at one point, uh, oh, in fact, what happened was George was ordering a sandwich. And instead of ordering his new normal sandwich, he ordered what he thought was the opposite. And Jerry said, well, you know, why don't you just do the opposite with everything? And George said, the opposite. Like, that'll never work. To which Jerry replied, he said, well, if every intuition, every thought that you have is wrong, doing the opposite would have to be right. And all of a sudden, George has this epiphany. And he says, yes. The opposite. I will do the opposite. And Elaine had just pointed out that a a nice-looking woman, a beautiful woman, had turned around and happened to look George's way. And she said, hey, that woman's looking at you. Why don't you do the opposite? And so he walked up to her, kind of sulked up to her, and he says, excuse me, my name is George, and I'm unemployed and I live with my parents. And she got this big smile on her face and she says, hi, I'm Victoria. And that that launched this episode into multiple scenes where you found George in situations and each and every situation, he did the opposite of what he typically would do. And yes, each and every time it was not just successful, it was wildly successful. It was a great episode that I know made a lot of people laugh, and it was incredibly amusing. And while in that moment we thought that is absolutely preposterous that something like that would happen, the truth is there's a lot of wisdom in that episode. And so it is for that reason that I'm going to use that as a launching pad for today's show. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about Why should I use counterintuitive thinking? Well, because the truth of the matter is, let's start with a couple things. By the time you're five years old, it's said that you've heard the word no 
uh, maybe around 600,000 times. Can you imagine? Do the math on that. 600,000 times over five years. And you, if you're a parent right now of a young kid, you know that that's not crazy. It seems like, no, don't touch that. No, put that down. You can't do that. Put that down. Stay away from the stove. You know the drill. Some form or fashion of no or negative is going to be uh, in that kid's brain, being absorbed by their brain. In the meantime, they're hearing the word yes a handful of times, relatively speaking. The reality is also we're taught to color inside the lines, aren't we? We're not, we're not taught to color what we see or color what we feel or relate on paper what exactly what's going on in our mind, but rather to stay within the confines of what somebody else created. We're taught to, to stand in a line, sit in rows of desks, and follow the same precise public education application, teaching application like I learned and like millions of other kids have learned over the years. And that's not necessarily going to wake up your ingenuity. It's not necessarily going to embolden your thinking. And so as you go along and you get to be a teenager and finally you move into perhaps college, you move into a vocation, whatever it might be, you start, next thing you know, you start just going down the path doing what? Are you doing what you love to do? Or are you like most people doing what you're supposed to do? And as you move forward doing what you're supposed to do, you find yourself quickly, possibly, going from being in in a groove to being in a rut. It's a very small difference between finding yourself in a groove and finding yourself in a rut, where you're doing the same thing, repeating the same pattern, doing the same task every single day. In fact, most people would say, They have not achieved the life they want. They have not achieved the best version of them. I have never spoken to somebody who says, David, who who hasn't said, David, I want to get to the best version of me because that is the secret to unlocking my best life. Now, whether you are seeking professional fulfillment or success, financial success, spiritual success, uh, whatever it might be, mental success, Uh, happiness and success in whatever you're doing. Um, Listen, the reality is this. You cannot, first of all, whatever blueprint that you've been using to this point, if you continue to use that blueprint, which keeps you on a roadmap, at some point, and some people aren't going to tell you this, I'm going to tell you this. At some point, if that was on a Google map, you're going to find a perpendicular line, a thick one, that blocks you from going any farther. You see, the plan you're on right now, in all likelihood, has gotten to where you are today, and perhaps it could get you another 10 or 20 or 30% further. But it is highly unlikely, if you're not at the point of uh, being happy, being fulfilled in your career, being financially where you want to be, Chances are outstanding that that plan, that very plan that you've adopted, either consciously or subconsciously, it's actually going to keep you from the very thing you want. And that is being liberated from debt, being liberated from worry, being liberated from having to talk to people that you don't want to talk to, doing something you don't want to do. 
listen, life is too short. So I'm going to ask you to just take a ride with me over the next 10 or 15, 20 minutes. And I really want you to make a commitment, not to me, but to you, that you're going to open up your mind and you're going to do the precise thing that I'm asking you and recommending you to do from this point forward. And that is, if I say something that sounds crazy, that sounds preposterous, that sounds counterintuitive, that sounds like something that you find yourself leaning back in your chair saying, man, I don't believe it, believe it. I want you to start believing it. I want you to pursue that which you don't believe. And listen, I'll tell you something. In the early 70s, when the internet really started to become something um, of a workable, functioning um, piece of our society, the vast majority of humans paid it no mind. They didn't give it any attention. They didn't think anything of it. And not for just six months or a year, two years, three years, for years, for over a decade, the majority said, it'll pass. It's a fad. When email came along later that decade, people thought it was nonsense. Why would you not just pull out a piece of paper, write a letter, throw a stamp on it, and put it in the mailbox like everybody else? But because some people were already starting to think differently. Some people were already starting to think, why do I need to follow rules that have been in existence for hundreds of years? Why can't I do it a different way, a new way? And for those who adopted email early, they won and they won big. People who jumped onto e-commerce in the 90s, and actually in the late 80s and into the 90s, they won and they won big. Now, true, there was a dot-com bubble that burst, and there was a lot of companies that ended up uh, on the on the roadside, uh, dead, gone. And some people actually use that as an excuse to say, see, it doesn't work. I knew that was a flawed model. I knew that that would never work out. But yet the people that tended to believe in that model, it didn't stop them, it didn't phase them, it didn't slow them down. They jumped right back on. And many of those people who had actually experienced failure or the demise of their company came back with roaring success. When Wi-Fi came out, when cryptocurrency came out uh, in the late 2000s, most people didn't give it the time of day. Most people, again, thought it was absolutely crazy. And isn't it interesting We're so prone to think that something is rubbish, garbage, BS, or crazy when we actually simply don't understand what somebody is referring to. And it's happening again right now. It's happening with Web 3.0. It's happening with the metaverse, augmented reality, virtual reality, cryptocurrency, blockchain technology, and yes, NFTs. And yet... The last time I looked, there's over $2 billion a month being spent right now on NFTs. And you got to ask yourself, do you believe it? Do you believe in NFTs? Do you believe in crypto? Have you even caught up 
was something that started nearly 15 years ago. Now is the time, because unless you're on a trajectory that's going to take you where you want to go, which is happiness, satisfaction, fulfillment, financial uh, levels of uh, success, right? Physical success, whatever, however you define success, then I would assert, I would submit to you, it's time to take that blueprint, that roadmap, that GPS that you've been using and throw it in the trash. It's time to start thinking differently. You know, Apple had a very famous commercial that was about thinking differently. And there's a brilliant line at the end of that commercial, and I'll probably butcher it, but basically it says, those who are crazy enough to think they could change the world are usually the ones that do. So I want you to ask yourself right now, are you a conformist? Would somebody else view you as a conformist, having a conformist mindset, doing what you're supposed to do, being where you're supposed to be in the job that you're supposed to be doing? Maybe that's what you went to college for. And if you actually love it, keep doing it. I'm not speaking to you, but I am talking to the 73% of people that are unhappy right now, all over the world, doing what they're doing because it's not what they love. It's not their passion. And so to to those of you that are in that percentage, I would say, man, are you a conformist or are you a rule breaker? And then I want you to sit back for a moment and I want you to think about people out there. I want you to think about the Elon Musk. I want you to think about the... uh, Uh, Oprah Winfrey's. I want you to think about the Jeff Bezos. I want you to think about the Steve Jobs that are out there, the Amelia Earhart's, right? The Einstein's. And I want you to ask yourself, were they conformists or were they rule breakers? Steph Curry, rule breaker. Michael Jordan, rule breaker. Patrick Mahomes, rule breaker. Quarterback supposed to just drop back in the pocket. Three steps, throw the ball, man. What are you doing? Nope, he's a rule breaker. And I want to ask you, are you a rule breaker? I want you from this point forward to consider a rule breaker's mindset, a rule breaker's outlook. And you know, it's actually pretty cool because conformists are the ones that tend to have that fear of success or that fear of failure. Rule breakers seek failure because they understand the power that lies within it. I'm going to say that again. Rule breakers seek failure. They don't fear failure. They seek it. They know that the power of failure is that it leads them to success. Without it, there is no great levels of success. By the way, there's no book in any bookstore or on Amazon about the world's greatest conformist. Certainly not one anybody wants to pay for and read doesn't exist, but there's phenomenal books on rule breakers throughout the history of time. It's not just in this decade. It's not just in the age of the metaverse. Go back any decade and you will find rule breakers like Martin Luther King was a rule breaker. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. He didn't fall in line. He broke the rules and in doing so, he changed the world. 
right? And listen, I'm not in any way saying, listen, that we all have to be the type of rule breaker that goes out and just shakes up the world. But there's also nothing that says that you can't. Nothing. You have the power within you. Everybody has the power within them to be able to shake up the world. And they could do it. The beauty is you could do it in your own way, on your own terms. It could be so simple as simply having an idea for a business, for a concept, for a product, for a service that the conformist would have never pursued because of fear. But the rule breaker is saying right now, why not? And you know what? Everybody has rule breaker in them. Even if you are the type of person that has said, David, I have been a conformist, I promise you, you could also tell me many, many times in the past year and decade and beyond that you've had a rule breaker thought roll through your brain. The only difference is today, I'm saying if you adopt counterintuitive thinking, you will also embrace the rule breaker in you. And when that happens, you are one step closer, a giant step closer to going where you want to go because you have not just unlocked a door, you've busted down the door. And I promise when you do that, you will never go back into that room of conformist again. And so this is a big deal. And so I hope that you adopt this. So think about this. Number one, let me give you a few things. Number one, when you hear somebody talking about something that you find hard to believe, impossible to believe, preposterous in nature, I want you to not doubt it. I want you to lean into it. I want you to say, if I leaned into this, where will I be one year from now? Now, you may not have shaken up the world, but you're going to be so far advanced from where you are today because you're going to pursue the knowledge and the experience to help you understand. You see, we fear that which we don't understand. You want to eliminate fear? Go get some knowledge. Learn something today. Learn something every day. That's going to allow you to gain confidence, conviction, commitment, and discipline. And that, yes, that relentless nature that I've always told you cannot be defeated. So if you doubt something at first blush, pursue it. If you question something, gain knowledge about it. If you think something's not possible and you see somebody that actually is doing it, please admit it's possible. It's not just possible for them. More importantly, it's possible for you. And so counterintuitive thinking, you know, I remember my mom telling me, don't be selfish, don't be selfish, never be selfish. But the last time I looked, mom, and she knows me, as you would suspect. Mom, the word self-development, self-improvement, self-care, they all have the word self in them. And so 
I cannot achieve self-care, self-improvement, self-development, self-enhancement, self-enlightenment without self. I have to be involved, and that's a solo act. So it turns out, yeah, we shouldn't be selfish in terms of we should care about other humans. We should want to share 100% um, in our happiness, our success with whoever you choose. But that does not mean in any way, shape, or form that we should not be caring about ourselves, that we should not have enough selfishness to be able to do what we need to do. Because the last time I looked, I don't think I can get to the best version of me without being dedicated to self-improvement and to evolving myself and caring for myself. So that's counterintuitive, but it's true. People will tell you, you should go after and pursue a comfortable life. Well, the last time I looked, there's nobody selling a bunch of books or nobody wanting to buy a bunch of books on how can I just get comfortable. Why? There's no glory in conformity and there's no glory in just being comfortable. So while it's okay, it's more than okay to do whatever you're doing that makes whatever money you're making If it allows you to take care of you, take care of your bills, take care of your family, that's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. But answer the question, in all honesty, is that enough? If it is, you've reached a level of peace and harmony that most people don't, and God bless you. But for the majority of people that want more, and it's not unreasonable, irrational, or not okay to not want more, We all want more. And if you do, then the way to get to more is to move away from comfort, which means don't seek comfort, seek discomfort. Don't just focus on success. Start to embrace failure. Don't look at the word no as a negative because it's oftentimes a positive. Saying no to negative people, last time I looked, positive. Saying no to things that you don't really want to do sounds like a positive. So please take the time today after you listen to this, and I hope this has been of value to you. But take the time today to ask yourself, am I a conformist or am I a rule breaker? And which one do I want to be five years from now, one year from now? And which one of those two is more likely to have less stress, to have higher levels of fulfillment, to be more successful, and to be happier? And I'm willing to bet all the money in the world on the rule breaker. You've been listening to The David Spizak Show. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button and leave a rating wherever you're listening right now. I look forward to having you back in the room where it happens.